You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I was out last week celebrating my birthday. It was a good day. Turned uh, 27? Right? Once again, I am actually the equivalent of double that this oh. year. So you were you were exactly exactly right, minus 50%. Okay. Well, that's not a life story. I, I did turn... <laughs> I did turn the big 5-4 this year. Uh, and uh, we had we had a lot of fun, and uh, we mostly just worked that day, but it was nice to be able to uh, take a day off. Uh, but I'm excited to be back here on the Immigration Hour. David, I was able to fix my tractor over the weekend and uh, get my yard mowed again, uh, and I almost went into the garden to chop it all down, and I realized that I had had some tomato plants there this year hmm. that, that because of the drought that we've had this summer, and we've had a drought this year here in Georgia, uh, they died. All the weeds grew up right through all those um, uh, little fence things I put in. I put in little circle fences around the tomato plants. So they're all laying in there on the ground. So I'm glad I didn't drive my tractor in there with a big mower on the back because uh, uh, I, I hate taking out strands of wire from the blades of a mower. We've all Everybody that hasn't had a mower has done that exact thing. And so I realized, oh, I better get in there with some, some, uh, some blowtorch uh, and uh, torch up that stuff first before I go ahead and, uh, and blow it all down. Um, and then uh, wrote it till that stuff back in. Uh, but that's my garden update. The garden this year has been a desperate. David, I have I have decided that January comes, I will be doing my tomato starts again this year in my basement, and uh, hope to have a really good garden turnout this next year. Even people need to lay fallow for a year sometimes. That's true. That's so very true. So we got the fallow going. Now, David, I don't know if you've heard, but there actually is a presidential election going on right now. Have you, have, you, have you cut any wind of that in your shows here? Is that uh, we're trying to avoid it here? Yeah, I would imagine here in America's Web Radio, it's rarely talked about uh, here on the air. Um, on the other hand, there has been um, a lot of talk about immigration, David. And one thing that came out, uh, you may may be aware, uh, this is the time of year, October, when all the Nobel laureates are announced. Did you wear that, David? Uh, did, you, did, did you win a Nobel Prize this year? No. Well, you know, that's sort of like the checks in the mail. I, I, they yeah. haven't notified they have, me. They call you first, apparently. Oh, they, okay. And they literally, apparently, go like this. You know, this is Sven from the Nobel Committee. I'm calling about your award. And you go, what? Who is this really? I did get that call the other night. This Sven. From Sven. Yeah, from Sven yeah. is Sweden. Yeah, yeah. This is Sven. You have won the Nobel. Um, well, anyway, there are six Americans who have won Nobel awards this year. And you know what's unique about every one of these Americans that won these awards, David? They're all immigrants. Hmm. Every single one of them. And actually, if you go back over the last 20 years, you would see a grand majority of the Nobel laureates that are U.S. citizens are, in fact, immigrants to the United States. So in a year in which president, uh, presidential candidate Donald J. Trump is uh, claim is this, is is putting in his platform, which we talked about several weeks ago, a desire to literally stop all legal immigration to the United States. He wants to stop all legal immigration. In the same year that six Nobel laureates in America are all immigrants, points out what a fool Donald Trump is. Um, besides being a monumentally gross human being. Uh, what was interesting, though, there's a great article in The Hill about this by Rafael Bernal 
that I, I think uh, bears. It, it's interesting. It shows the thinking of mo- what are basically scientists and 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 uh, brainiac people. Uh, one of the three Nobel laureates in chemistry, Sir J. Francis Stoddard, told The Hill that, quote, I think the resounding message that should go out around, the, around all the world that science is global. Stoddard, born in Scotland, if it's not Scottish, it's crap, credited American openness with bringing top scientists to the country. He added, however, that the American scientific establishment will only remain strong, quote, as long as we don't enter an era where we turn our back on immigration. Uh, he further said, welcoming people from all over the world, including the Middle East, is key to continued success. Uh, but here's what Stoddard said after that. And you got I just love scientists, right? Stoddard naturalized as a U.S. citizen in 2011, but said he would likely not vote on November 8th. Quote, I find it very difficult to handle the situation. Presumably he's talking about voting, or maybe deciding on who to vote and certainly don't have much time to think about it between now and December when I go to Stockholm, said Stoddard, a researcher at the Northwest University who won the prize in chemistry. Um, They won their prize for, quote, the design and synthesis of molecular machines, or, as you might know, David, nanotechnology. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious. Uh, uh, It's particularly pertinent to have these discussions in view of the political climate on both sides of the pond at the moment, keeping in mind that Brexit was was really a direct result of uh, an anti-immigration fervor that swept over the U.K. Quote, I think the United States is what it is today largely because of open borders. Uh, and that le- political leaders today are, quote, not people of the times, close quote. I thought that was fascinating. Now, the open borders concept, I think I think he's talking about it in a different context since we don't really don't have open borders, but I think he's talking about it being welcoming and bringing people to the United States. Uh, and then finally he says this. This is hilarious. Uh, again, I love scientists. Quote, I'm kind of exasperated with the level of politics in this country and my old country, being a Brit. I would be excited about voting if I was in Germany. Chancellor Merkel is a qualified chemist. <laughs> I love scientists. I love scientists. Um, D- Duncan Hildane, the English Princeton University researcher who won the prize for physics, describes the immigration process as, quote, a bureaucratic nightmare for many people. Uh, quote, I think the higher education system in the United States is second to none. As far as science is concerned, as close to perfect as one could hope it to be. Uh, I just thought this was a really great article and a really great uh, point to make that uh, Nobels and the people that we attract to the United States that win Nobel Prizes are the heartbeat. They are the the heart and soul of what America is. And it's not just people that win the Nobel Prize uh, because of their affiliation to and part of being in the United States. But it's the people that build our houses, the people that serve our food. It's the people that clean uh, clean our yards. Uh, it's people that make America run every single day uh, that are immigrants that m- make America great. Um, you know, and this is just particularly uh, important in the context of this election because as we talked about, uh, as we talked about Trump and his platform uh, three weeks ago. What we realized was it truly is an anti-immigration platform. It's not about undocumented workers, but because Donald Trump has surrounded himself with the most vile anti-immigration people in America, period. 
uh, the leaders of uh, the Center for Immigration Study, the leaders for FAIR, the Federation Against American Immigration Reform, uh, the leaders of Numbers USA, all these organizations, which are Tanton, Tanton organizations, which is the guy who helped start them and fund them initially, uh, they come out of the anti-population movement of the, ni- of the 1960s and are truly anti-immigrant. And they're the ones that the GOP has allowed to take over the party. Jeff Sessions is their main spokesman on Capitol Hill. Everything Jeff Sessions says comes right out of the talking points of CIS, FAIR, and Numbers USA. And Jeff Sessions is the only, apparently, politician left defending Donald Trump uh, that's actively elected today. Maybe he feels invulnerable, uh, uh, invincible, um, in, from being from Alabama, thinking he'll get reelected in a couple years. But I think we know now why he was turned down by the United States Senate for a federal judgeship in the 1980s based upon racist remarks he made as a U.S. attorney. This man has a serious problem with people that don't look a lot like him, short, old, and white. Uh, And at the end of the day, not having Jeff Sessions around when Donald Trump is tanking is going to be a really good thing for America. Unfortunately, we'll have to tolerate him on Capitol Hill, but the good news looks like is that he will no longer have a committee chairmanship. He is actually the chair of the Immigration Committee subcommittee and the chair of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. He'll be gone from that from that position, and um, it'll be a good thing for America as we go forward uh, if that happens. Uh, so, David, that's uh, that's kind of the immigration news of the moment. Uh, as it pertains to the campaign going forward. There's lots of other, of course, immigration stuff we're going to talk about uh, today. But I thought that was particularly telling to look at all these Nobel Prize winners that are immigrants, that have brought so much to the United States that in a generation, if Donald Trump were president, would no longer exist. They would be gone because we would no longer be allowing them into the United States. Uh, it speaks volumes for, I think, um, uh, ultimately the, the majority of the American public uh, who realize what a threat Donald Trump is, not only to the very democracy that we live in, uh, but to uh, but to immigration and the positive effects of immigration as we go forward. Uh, and uh, what I found interesting, David, is that it's not just um, Donald Trump who lies about stuff like ICE has endorsed him. Uh, that was one of my favorite uh, lies that Donald Trump told. Uh, at the uh, at the compa- at, at the uh, uh, do you call it a debate? Was that a debate? Or was that really a scream fest? I kind of it's a little unclear exactly what that was. Um, um, I, maybe it was a deranged Hillary syndrome orgasmatron event. Uh, I don't know, but I know the people that loved Donald Trump thought he won that, and the other sixty five percent of America thought he looked like an idiot. Uh, and. Uh, uh, as he went into this, one of the things that he keeps talking about, and what he said the other night, is that ICE has endorsed me. Now, ICE, for those of you who don't know, I can't imagine you listen to my podcast, you don't know what ICE is. Um, ICE is uh, uh, the, the organ- federal government agency, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Obviously, federal government agencies don't endorse candidates. Um, at least I don't think they do, David. That hasn't happened recently, have you? I don't, I don't think that's happened. Um, so here's the fact check uh, from the Los Angeles Times. Uh, Donald Trump said, as he did in the first debate, that he had won the endorsement of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Here's the fact check that they did. That's not true. <laughs> that was easy. That would be 74 Pinocchios. 
a government agency would not endorse a candidate. Trump is probably referring to the endorsement of the National Immigration and Customs Enforcement Council, a union representing 5,000 of the 20,000 ICE employees. Now think about this, David. I don't know if you know this, but ICE has 20,000 employees, which is about double the number of employees at the FBI. So it's twice the size of the FBI, and a quarter of those employees belong to this union, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Council. So apparently, twenty-five uh, percent of the uh, of the union of the employees of ICE, led by again the guy named Chris Kane, who is again another one of these fair I, uh, CIS uh, numbers USA clowns, who is quote president of the union. I wonder if he actually does his job at all anywhere. Um, that uh, it was fascinating uh, that uh, they endorsed this guy with a minority of their of their membership. Now, I would also note that the Union for Border Patrol Agents uh, also endorsed um, Donald Trump. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, there's an article that appeared in the Los Angeles Times back in May. Uh, and it was written by Richard Morosi. It says, quote, The tears begin flowing the moment U.S. Border Patrol agents swing open the doors of the border enforcement zone, allowing Mexican families to step through and reunite with loved ones at the border of France near San Diego. In March, the National Border Council, the union represents endangered, had endorsed Donald Trump for president. One teenage boy, a high school student from Oakland, asked a pair of agents why. I asked how Border Patrol agents can be supporting hateful rhetoric that seems to contradict the spirit of what a part of what they do. It's a line of questioning that agents are hearing often these days. The union leadership, in a worded endorse, strongly worded endorsement letter that mimics Trump's brash stylings, commended Trump for not backing down from statements considered racist by many. Trump has referred to Mexican immigrants as rapists and criminals. Quote, this is from the endorsement. Mr. Trump is correct when he says immigration won't be at the forefront of this presidential campaign if months ago he hadn't made some bold and necessary statements. And when the withering media storm ensued, he did not back down one iota. Um, that's from the endorsement letter. They continued this. Uh, the uh, well, is that the rest of it? No, that's that, that's basically. And then they support Donald Trump. That's a letter from a union which represents sixteen thousand five hundred of the twenty thousand agents. Um, this is the first time the union has taken a position, uh, and many agents criticized the endorsement because many of them were Ted Cruz supporters, not Donald Trump supporters. I just found it fascinating that these two, that the unions of these two government agencies who are charged with enforcing the law want a guy who wants to end immigration to America. Found it fascinating. Speaks volumes for the people in charge of those unions. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour and America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy 
or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Era on America's Web Radio. I think it's important to continue talking about the unions and the Border Patrol's union's endorsement of Trump um, as a candidate back in May. Um, Sean Moran, the union's vice president, dismissed concerns that siding with Trump tarnishes the agency's reputation. Quote, I think Border Patrol agents will be tough on enforcement, but very generous in terms of empathy and how they care for those in their custody, which they have historically been. Um, um, but in communities where relations with the Border Patrol have been fraught with mistrust, leaders and agents fear the overheater rhetoric could manifest in ugly ways. And here's a case in point. A group of agents in El Paso asked their local union to disavow the endorsement, drawing support from numerous business and community leaders. Their attempt failed 14 to 13. So this is not a unanimous endorsement of all the Border Patrol agents. One of the reasons that El Paso is the safest city in the United States is because of the trust developed between law enforcement and the El Paso community. This trust is undermined by the union's endorsement of a candidate for president who demeans and degrades immigrants and who has lied about the threats that exist at the U.S.-Mexican border to advance his bid for president. So really volumes about um, uh, Donald Jota Trump and uh, his uh, uh, his dream of, of borders. Now, David, we would be remiss if we did not talk today about Hillary Clinton. Now, I know that you are a huge fan of Hillary Clinton, but I think it's important to know that we have got some of her memos, don't we? We've got some of her emails now, don't we? Um, thanks to the Russian government uh, and their agent in uh, Britain, um, uh, and as well as the, uh, the website he runs, WikiLeaks, we have purported emails from John Podesta, Apparently they, they supposedly hacked John Podesta's emails from several years ago. And uh, in those emails are what purport to be quotes from Hillary's speeches. Now, I, I, I have not gone through all the WikiLeaks release here. Have you, David, looked at all these things? Okay, either have I. Um, but apparently there is this quote as pertains to immigration. Um, my dream... Um, she said, well, quote, first, I think we have to have a concerted plan to increase trade already under the current circumstances. And we have to resist protectionism, other kinds of barriers to market, and to trade. She said this in 2013, by the way, May of 2013. Quote, she added, my dream is a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders sometime in the future with energy that is as green and as sustainable as we can get, powering growth and opportunity for everyone in the hemisphere. All right, David, I know you're not a Hillary fan. What's your problem with this? Any problem at all with this? Whatever she's saying, it's got to be a lie anyway. (laughs) That's the David I know and love. That's the David I know and love. So 
This is what she says behind closed doors. Unclear who she was talking to, whether this was like one of the banks or whatever. Um, and the commentary on this, these comments indicate Clinton may seek to expand trade flows, economic growth, and renewable energy use, con- but conflict with her past statements on immigration. Because at the height of the 2014 Central American migrant crisis, she said, quote, this, they, the migrant children, should be sent back as soon as it can be determined who responsible adults in their family are, because there are concerns whether all of them should be sent back. But I think all of them who can be should be reunited with their families. But we have to send a clear message. Just because your child gets across the border doesn't mean the child gets to stay. So we don't want to send the message as a contrary to our laws or will encourage more children to make those dangerous journeys. Uh, now, that was in 2013. Uh, now, Hillary, once the flow of migrants diminished, said this, quote, If you remember, we had an emergency. It was very important to send a message to families in Central America. Do not let your children take this very dangerous journey. This is August 2015, about a year ago. Quote, because the emergency is over, we need to be moving to try to get people out of these detention centers, particularly the women and children. I think we need more resources to process them, to listen to their stories, to find out if they have family in the country, and if they have a legitimate reason for staying. So I would put a lot of resources into doing that, but my position has been and remains the same. But clearly, she's moderated her position. Uh, I just thought that this statement was really interesting, um, David, uh, this quote about open borders, it's it's a little unclear because we don't have we don't have the context of it. We we weren't there, um, and like every message from any politician, when it's out of context, it's hard to understand. Which makes Donald Trump's statements on the bus so incredibly compelling because we know the context of it. Um, so I just thought it was fascinating here when she's talking about my dream is a hemispheric common market. You know, there's a lot of Republicans who would say, yeah. I mean, libertarians, that's what they believe, right? Open trade, open borders. Uh, it, it obviously goes against what Bernie was talking about as part of this. Uh, I just thought it was uh, fascinating, David, that uh, that these came out right now. And what's even more fascinating, David, these came out the, f- the Friday of Donald Trump's video. And in the debate, did you watch the debate on uh, the, the, the town hall on Saturday night? I mean, Sunday night? Or did you go to sleep? Uh, no, I watched it. You wished you had been falling asleep. Uh, well, I have to ask you this as a side. What did you think of the audience questions? You know, I watched the room. I watched a few minutes of it. Uh, we were out of town and uh, with some other folks. And okay, so they were, they were, they were kind of weird. Uh, you would think they would have gotten better audience questions. Um, you know, why can't we all just get along? I mean, I just think you're Rodney King. Uh, next question, please. Um, but Trump tried to go there, and Hillary was asked about it. And do you do you now know what her response was to this? You don't know the Abraham Lincoln response? Uh, oh, David, come on! You've heard the Abraham Lincoln response, right? And she's no <laughs> well, that was Trump's response. Now, what was interesting, apparently, is that in fact there there was in um, uh, in the context. Uh, of uh, Hillary's uh, comments. Um, she, in fact, was talking about Abraham Lincoln, oddly enough, as part of her comments that were, that were released. And I, I found, I mean, her, the way she explained it in, the, uh, in there, 
was weird. I mean, it was just um, very weird. It just it really didn't make a whole lot of sense if you hadn't read the actual leaks. Uh, so here's what here's what she said. Um, as I recall, when she was asked about this public private position, open borders, all this, is it okay for policy to be debated? As I recall, and this really struck me as strange. That was something I said about Abraham Lincoln after having seen the wonderful Steven Spielberg movie Abraham Lincoln. She says it was a master class watching President Lincoln get the Congress to approve the Thirteenth Amendment. It was principled and strategic. I was making a point that it is hard sometimes to get Congress to do what you want to do. Now, first of all, I don't know what a master class is. Um, uh, so, but here is the actual email. All right. So this is a full excerpt from the email in question. Quote, Clinton, quote. And it, who knows if this is a quote who, quote? who typed this? I don't know and where it comes from. But if everybody's watching you know all of the backroom discussions and the deals you know, then people get a little nervous, to say the least. So you need to have both a public and private position. Clinton, you just have to sort of figure out how to getting back to the word balance, how to balance the public and the private efforts that are necessary to be successful politically. And that's just not a comment about today. That, I think, has probably been true for all of our history. If you saw the Spielberg movie Lincoln and how he was maneuvering and working to get the Thurman Pence, he called one of my favorite predecessors, Secretary Seward, who had been, he called him, called one, to, who had been governor and senator from New York, who ran against Lincoln for president, and he told Seward, I need your help to get this done. And Seward called some of his lobbyist friends who knew how to make a deal, and they just kept going at it. I mean, politics is like sausage being made. It's unsavory. It's always been that way, but we usually end up where we need to be. But if everybody's watching, you know, all the backroom sessions of the deal, you know, people get a little nervous, to say the least. So you need both a public and a private position. And finally, I think, I believe in evidence-based decision-making. I want to know what the facts are. I mean, it's like when you guys go into some kind of deal... Uh, presume, oh, she, oh, this is what she's speaking to the multi, National Multi-Housing Council. Are you going to do that development or not? Are you going to do that renovation or not? You know, you look at the numbers, try to figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work. Um, that certainly puts her comments in a little bit more of a context, and I, I don't know of any politician who doesn't have a public and private position. I've talked to, including somebody like your favorite U.S. Congressman, Tom Price, who says, yes, yes, I know, we've got to do something about the immigration, but... I can't do that publicly because of the voters that will vote me out of office. So having a public in a private position is what all politicians do. Now, the theory here, David, is that Donald Trump doesn't have public and private positions. Unless you count stuff he does with women, then I'm really not sure whether those are public or private. Uh, But what he does have is... Uh, the ability, because he's never been in politics, to say he doesn't have public and private positions. But come on, when you're when you're telling the public, I want to do X, I want I want to vote against Obamacare. All right, that's your public position. Then in private, you go, okay, I know the pub- Obamacare has done a couple of good things. I don't want to lose that, but I've got to be against Obamacare. How do we fix Obamacare to get away from this? Uh, now, David, I know you're a big Obamacare supporter as well. And that came up in this debate as well in the context of what would be done. This kind of goes, this hooks into immigration in the way uh, of what would Congress do to fix a known problem. 
There's, this is a known known. We know that Obamacare is a problem. We know that immigration law is a problem. So if we know it's a problem, what are we going to do to fix it? Now, Trump's position is, and, I, and I don't, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think he said that we're going to eliminate the idea of Obamacare. He wants to eliminate Obamacare but replace it with something else. And I think a lot of people who hate Obamacare don't want it replaced with something else. Help me out here, David. Is that is that generally the case? What what do people who want to get rid of Obamacare want to do? Go back to the system we had before? That, that's what I don't know. Uh, you ought to listen to some of our I know. <laughs> you have shows. You listen to them. I don't listen to them, David, because I, I, I actually have a job. I have to be in there all day long. Uh, no, I, I think the consensus of the... Uh, consensus of the conservative is that uh, we'd like to, you know, it's ridiculous that you can't buy insurance from one state to the next. Okay, that's the lines thing. Trump has talked, and I agree with that. It's stupid that you can't do that. They, but they do you know why? Back into a competitive market. Do you, uh, do, but, doctors but, want it to be competitive. Now let me ask, do you know why you can't cross state lines? Because of your insurance commissioners primarily. Exactly. It wasn't part of, Ob- Obama actually wanted to have a nationwide well, never, marketplace. I never said it was, but right. it, it was like But people get confused on that. It wasn't because of Trump, Obama. But that actually was the insurance commissioners and the insurance companies. But nothing that Obamacare or Obama stated is true about Obamacare. Well, that's and not... Then, then you got your buddy uh, Jerry Brown out in California that does want to offer Obamacare to uh, legals or, or undocumented. Exactly. Because they're here in the United States getting medical care anyway. But let's let's go back to this other thing about what are they going to replace it with? Okay, we want to get rid of the lines. There, That's there easy. Are, there are some very good plans. Are yeah. we going to keep the 26-year-old part of the law? Do you kids I get would, to stay on your plan until they're 26? I would hope not. Okay, you would not want that on your plan. I wouldn't. Okay. Uh, so the healthiest kids, you don't want paying into the insurance industry. I mean, that's part of the problem with insurance companies is that you only really need insurance if you're sick, right? You don't need insurance if you're not sick. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of folks really want to go back to the catastrophic care, what insurance started out as. Okay. Not not the thing of uh, we're going to pay for every pill you need. Not that we're going to pay for your office visit to your doctor for a. For but a don't checkup. the statistics bear out that you will need less catastrophic care if you have better primary and and upfront care? No question, but if it's affordable, you'll take it. You'll have but, it. But what if people literally can't afford it? And what we have found that the it's sickest Americans are there, typically there the are poorest a lot Americans. There are plans that are still available. And, and doctors, you know, I, doctors got a bad rap back in the 60s and, and 70s, even the 50s, that, you know, don't, don't call your doctor on Wednesdays because he's playing golf. Well, they don't play that much golf anymore. And they, there are a number of doctors that I know and and are involved with a lot of other doctors that, uh, you know, charity is out there. But the doctors, the problem with medicine is not just the doctors and not just the insurance, but unfortunately some of your peers have screwed things up pretty good. Um, when they brought, you know, the, the malpractice lawyers heard. Well, let me, uh, let me compare this for you. Two professions, doctors and lawyers, both professionals, both have PhDs, both have at super graduate levels. Uh, one has insurance, 
and operates through an insurance basis. Some it has for decades. Okay, let's not be clear about that. And one basically doesn't have insurance. What's the difference between the people that lawyers serve and the people that doctors serve? Now, one one person would say, well, first of all, you don't die if you don't have a lawyer. Well, it depends on what you've done. You may die if you don't have a lawyer, okay? But generally speaking, you don't need a lawyer uh, unless you have a problem. Now, do you need a doctor if you don't have a problem? I'll give you a great example, David. I am going in tomorrow to speak to a proctologist. Okay, nobody here listening probably needed to hear that, right? But I am of the age in which I should be doing that. Why? Because I don't want to get a surprise five years from now when I have stage four uh, rectal cancer. I want somebody to have me looking at stuff beforehand. Why do I go in once a quarter and have my blood drawn? Because I want to make sure my cholesterol is 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 good and I'm not putting a whole bunch of plaque into my arteries and that my heart isn't ready to burst. Um, so the question then becomes, if I can afford to do that um, because I have a doctor and an insurance plan, um, why shouldn't everybody be able to do that? And would I not need less catastrophic care and would not everybody as a country need less catastrophic care if they could do such a thing? Not necessarily. So and ignoring you the could, you facts. Could, you could go in twice a week, and the third week they find something. Well, there's no but, doubt, but know, but I, if I you don't go in at all, if you don't go and in you at roll all, into the, the emergency room with and a the, large the mass of, in your stomach, the cost of medicine is out of hand when it doesn't need to be. Well, that's that's a that's a and medical company doctor issue. That's a, and that's an insurance company issue because oh, Dave, this is so much fun. Let's come back here on America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour, where we're talking about healthcare. <laughs> si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour. David, we were talking about Obamacare because I wanted to bring it back to something you actually brought up 
which is what happened in California in June, which we talked about briefly back then but really didn't get into. This is where the California state legislature, which is run completely by Democrats, I mean by a supermajority, much like the Republican legislature here in Georgia's supermajority, and the governor signed legislation that removed an exclusion uh, to the covered California. That's their version of, um, of their uh, insurance plan. We don't have that here in Georgia. We did not participate in the marketplace. It's called Covered California that prevents undocumented immigrants and DACA recipients from purchasing health care coverage in the state's insurance plan. So it's called SB 10, and it directs the state to apply for a federal waiver under the Affordable Care Act so that all Californians have to access the covered California. So um, the federal law of Obamacare, or the Affordable Care Act, actually had a specific exclusion for DACA recipients uh, who became DACA recipients and undocumented immigrants. So they could participate. Now, here's what's weird about that, David. Immigrants generally are younger than, than the, on average, than Americans. They're younger. So generally speaking, they are healthier. So generally speaking, an insurance company would make more money on them paying a premium and that would help the insurance company pay for the care of somebody like you and me who are older who need more expensive care like proctology exams and, and colonoscopies and that kind of stuff um, and heart replacements and the drugs that go along with that. So we need, if we're going to have insurance, insurance is simply a combining of risk of different individuals so that all are covered under the same policy. Uh, we are excluding from that people who are rarely going to use the insurance uh, and thus making the insurance more expensive for people like you and me who actually need the insurance. So, but as part of the get, off, the get the Affordable Care Act tax, they did that. But there is a waiver built into the law. Now, I don't yet know and believe that it has not yet been granted by Health and Human Services. My guess is, David... They're not going to grant that waiver until after about four weeks from now. <laughs> because, again, it gets into politics. Um, the bill um, is uh, takes an innovative approach, quote, that makes California the first state to apply to the federal government to allow undocumented immigrants and doctors to buy a health plan through a marketplace. If the waiver is approved by the federal government, Undocumented and doctors will be able to review and purchase an, uns- an unsubsidized health plan. That's the other thing. As you know, David, a lot of the, the, the health care plans for Obama, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, are subsidized by Texas or the state or the feds. I mean, it's or, or, the, or the Chinese. I heard Benny was buying our debt today. Um, and uh, But this cannot be subsidized. So they literally, it just basically says, there's an insurance plan out here. You can buy it. It's not given to them. Uh, but here's the flip side of that. They, undocumented immigrants and DACA recipients, are not subject to the penalty, the tax penalty that U.S. citizens and legal residents are subject to if they don't have insurance. So in reality, in California, if they get this waiver, undocumented immigrants and DACA recipients are exactly who you want to be. Because if you don't want to buy insurance, you don't have to. You know penalty. If you want to buy insurance, there's a set of plans you can buy, all pre-ready to go. Now, David, when have you ever wanted to be an undocumented immigrant? As, as, as Never, right? 
But as a, as somebody who opposes Obamacare, they have made undocumented immigrants and DACA recipients into the kind of person that people who hate Obamacare want to be. Irony never stress, never ceases to amaze me, David. Irony is everywhere and all around us. Um, we will keep uh, following uh, the efforts of SB10 in California to see if and when uh, the uh, Obama federal government actually puts into place uh, um, something about this and allows them to do that. Now, David, kind of shifting gears here, um, uh, as you know, there's a, there's the, the, the largest, one of the largest unions in the country is the AFL-CIOO. Um, and um, they, have, uh, they have endorsed, I know it's going to shock you, they have endorsed nationally Hillary Clinton. But they've also come out with an uh, immigration myths and facts page in response to Donald Trump, quote, who wants to generate fear of immigrants and division among working people. So here's one of Donald Trump's myths. Our country is being overrun by undocumented immigrants. Not true. Fact. The number of undocumented immigrants in our country peaked in 2007 and has been decreasing steadily since that time. So uh, the numbers that are out there uh, coming from uh, the folks at the Pew Research Center, nobody's really ever doubted, uh, doubted their numbers, um, shows that the, uh, the population of undocumented immigrants has actually declined over the last, uh, um, over the Obama presidency. Now, of course, part of that, David, is Obama has, in fact, deported almost 3 million people. So there, there have likely been 3 million people that have come in, but 3 million have been deported at the same time. So we've reached an equilibrium. You will never stop people from coming undocumented. Last year, the numbers I saw, although I thought, I thought it was a surprisingly high number. I'm not so sure I am... Uh, um, completely convinced that it's the case, uh, but that uh, uh, 500,000 people overstayed their visas last year. Now, again, that comes from a database that I think is a little weird and not exactly not entirely accurate, given the fact that we don't have exit control. But if that's the case, that would account for the vast majority of undocumented immigration to the United States. But it's interesting to see the map, which I'm showing you, David. I'll put it up for our listeners here. Here's our map, our little chart that shows this leveling off during the Obama presidency uh, of the undocumented immigration population in the United States from the Pew Research folks. Uh, I just thought that was a fascinating look uh, at, uh, uh, at how this myth came to be. Donald Trump has a habit of literally just lying, just flat out, not mistakes. He literally just makes stuff up. Uh, because people want to believe made-up stuff. People that are going through difficult times don't want to believe it's their own fault. They want to believe somebody else is at fault for it. Uh, David, I'm a big believer in the ability of Americans to lift themselves up, to be better than their parents, to be better than who they are. For some people, it's a lot harder because of physical, emotional, mental, or even financial challenges. But it's not impossible because we see it happening every day. Uh, myth. Here's another Donald Trump myth. Creating a pathway to citizenship will take jobs from U.S. workers. Now, let's talk about the fact of that. The fact of that is increasing the rights and protections for the most vulnerable workers 
will lift standards and wages for the entire workforce. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, estimates that immigration reform would substantially strengthen the economy, increase employment levels, and ultimately result in a raise for all working people in the United States. Uh, We're going to come back and finish talking about some more of these myths here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. We were talking about the myths of immigration that Donald Trump is perpetuating. The next one is this undocumented immigrants don't pay taxes and they drain our social services. In fact, all undocumented against this is what's funny, Dave. You've got to like this, though. Donald Trump has been accused of not paying federal taxes for more than 20 years, a charge which he has not denied. Now, do you know what Donald Trump's response has been to that, though, David? I pay property taxes. I pay sales taxes. Okay. But you don't actually pay the taxes that create the roads you drive on, that fund the airports you fly into, the military that keeps you safe, the cops that protect you. You don't pay those taxes. But here's what's hilarious. Undocumented immigrants, quote, pay sales taxes that stimulate state and local budgets. Many pay federal taxes as well. And in fact, the taxes they pay compared to the benefits they use create a net positive fiscal impact. And here's the best part. Undocumented immigrants last year paid $11.4 billion in taxes, federal taxes, compared to zero paid by Donald Trump, uh, who, if he paid taxes, I'm sure would tell us, because he has no problem telling us about every other good thing he does. So the reason you don't see his tax returns is he doesn't pay taxes. He's not like you and me. He doesn't speak for the common man because he is not the common man. And yes, should we all take as many deductions as legally allowable? Absolutely. What I find hilarious is he said that uh, Warren Buffett did the same thing I do. And then Warren Buffett came out yesterday and released 70 years of his tax returns. And never once did he use the deduction that Donald Trump used to not pay taxes. 
here's the best part that Warren Buffett has paid over 200 has given away 250 billion dollars to charity in his lifetime on his taxes last year he took a tax deduction for for 2.5 million dollars in uh, charitable contributions that he gave but he actually gave away 2.5 billion dollars you're maxed out about how many deductions you can take it's 25 percent of your income over a certain level he made 11 million dollars last year took a deduction for took his maximum deduction but still gave more money away. Another reason you don't see te- Donald Trump's tax returns, he doesn't give money to charity. He is an uncharitable person. He is not like the common, he is not like the average American who gives money to charity every day, who puts 20 bucks in the fire boot, who, who gives money to the people uh, collecting money for veterans and get the red poppy uh, uh, for, for their lapel. He's not like that. He doesn't do that stuff. He is a greedy, self-absorbed narcissist. That people think he's some sort of hero have no idea who he really is, which is why you don't see his taxes, because then you would know what type of person he really is. Um, myth. Deporting 11 million undocumented immigrants will strengthen our economy. Fact. Removing millions of long-term members of our communities and unions from the United States would cost an estimated $600 billion in economic output and substantially harm our productivity in industries such as agriculture, construction, and hospitality. It would also require the creation of a huge deportation force, which Trump has claimed he would do, that would sow fear and guarantee an increase in racial profiling and incarceration of people of color. Myth. We have no idea who's coming into our country as a refugee. Not true. That is simply a lie. Fact. The screening done for a refugee resettlement program is extraordinarily, extremely rigorous. It's extreme vetting already. On average, candidates wait nearly two years for the approval of their application to enter under our humanitarian program. It would be a clear violation of U.S. and international law to deny people safe harbor based on the religion they practice or their country of birth. Myth. Immigrants make our communities less safe. Fact. Studies consistently show that that immigrants commit crimes at a lower rate than the general population and that immigrant communities are far less affected by crime than native-born communities. Attempts to label entire groups as criminals or terrorists is simply false, and they also run counter to our core values as a nation. And finally, David, my favorite myth. Mexico will pay for a wall. On our southern border, my question is to Donald, is Canada going to pay for a wall on the northern border? The only border on which we've actually caught terrorists coming into the country. Fact, the Mexican government has made clear they will never fund a wall. This would cost the taxpayers $25 billion. Now, I'll tell you, David, that there is a movement in the anti-immigration community here in Georgia to create a new law in Georgia that taxes remittances. So if you want to send money to your son in Hawaii, let's say he was a little short of funds this month, uh, and you wanted to go to the Western Union, and you would go to Western Union, they would collect from you a 1% tax of the money you were sending. And that tax would go to the state of Georgia. You could apply to get that money back at the end of the year if you file a Georgia state return. So this is an idea of the anti-immigration movement led by Donald King here in Georgia, and he's convinced the state legislature legislator to uh, actually introduce this legislation under the idea that 
like Donald Trump, will tax remittances to, Georgia, to, to Mexico. Georgia will tax remittances from undocumented immigrants and pocket what they say is $11 million extra uh, for the state of Georgia. Now, David, I need to think about this. I don't know how much money is actually sent out from Georgia, from, from undocumented immigrants to, to Mexico or to other countries. But why would you have to use Western Union? Why don't you just send your relative an ATM card? Have a bank account here. They go to the local ATM there. Then they pull it out. Bam. It's done. There aren't going to be remittances and taxes on remittances to pay for Donald Trump's wall. Another myth, another lie uh, from the man who probably has redefined lying. The only man that get, could guarantee the election of the least liked Democratic candidate in American history. The only man who could guarantee that. Now, David, I, I'm not counting George McGovern in that, uh, uh, who apparently lost every state but one. And, um, uh, But other than that, I think you pretty much got a situation where George, Donald Trump has guaranteed Hillary's election. Now, David, you and I made a little a note. You made a note for me a couple of months ago, actually about a year ago, in which I said, if Trump is the candidate, Hillary will be president. Remember that? Do you, remember, you acknowledge I you, not even said yes. He did write that down. Today, more than ever, it looks like that my prognostication, my prophecy, was absolutely correct. And that was without knowing that there was one among apparently many of videotapes of Donald Trump taking misogyny and admitting to sexual assault to a new level. That was just knowing the stuff he said and done before. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that Americans are just waking up to the narcissist that is Donald Trump. And my wife pointed out to me, and my wife, as you know, is a uh, marriage and family therapist, well-schooled in psychology and well-schooled in, in treatment options. This morning, uh, Trump came out with a tweet, as he is wont to do, against uh, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan. Now, Mr. Speaker Ryan came out yesterday in a meeting of the GOP congressman and said, look, I'm not withdrawing my endorsement, but I will not campaign with, nor will I advocate for Donald Trump as President of the United States. You do what you got to do to win re-election. So Trump then tweets out, you know, terrible leader, horrible person. My wife said immediately, that is the sign of a narcissist. That is exhibit A of a narcissist. Blaming others for your own problems. Never taking responsibility for the things that you do. It's why he never says, I'm sorry. This most recent event, do you think he actually said he was sorry to Melania? I know you had just had a baby, and I was talking about trying to seduce another woman by taking her furniture shopping. But I want you to know, I feel bad if that hurt you. <laughs> That's not how you apologize. I would love to have been in that situation. I would love to have been there as a fly on the wall to hear that. My guess is, after Donald Trump is defeated, that Melania will ultimately divorce the Donald, and we will not see them in a long-term relationship much after this election. That's my prediction, David. If you want to write that down, please go right ahead. Um, now, I also have another prediction, David, because my wife also brought this up. She said the reason that she still has real trouble supporting Hillary is Bill Clinton in the White House. What if he does something again? And this is my response to her. 
My guess is this time, if 70-year-old Bill Clinton, and by the way, you did see the picture of him in the box with his eyes to the side looking at the, the looking at the, you remember that picture? I was like, that was a, that should be a Pulitzer Prize winning photograph. It was just so awesome. My guess is if there is even a hint of Bill doing something after she becomes president of the United States, that Bill will find himself living in Chappaqua and not living in the, in the White House is my guess. My guess is there has been a very strong conversation and that Bill will be assigned somebody who reports to Hillary every day about what Bill does. Every day. Uh, and that we will not be hearing any more bimbo eruptions from from Bill Clinton. Here's what's really interesting, David. I haven't heard of any bimbo eruptions since uh, Monica Lewinsky. Have you? Interesting. Now, finally, David, I was on the way here this morning, and I was listening to a radio interview. People bring up this woman uh, who Donald Trump uh, um, uh, hired and put in charge of building the Trump Tower. You've heard that he hired he hires lots of women. Okay, he hired her. She was actually on an interview this morning, announcing her support for Hillary Clinton, and she was talking about the video, and she said, honestly, being completely truthful. That was not Donald Trump when we built Trump Tower. But when I went back to work for him a few years later, after he'd become a, quote, celebrity, that was exactly who he was and exactly who he has become. Um, So I would encourage everybody to get out there. Today is the 11th of uh, October is the last day in about 15 or 20 states, 15 states in which you can register to vote. If you are not registered to vote, at least in Georgia, you can go to the Secretary of State's website. Um, and just Google it, Secretary of State Georgia, register to vote, and you can register online. Early voting has begun in a number of states, David, and it begins here uh, next, uh, actually Sunday, early voting begins. And David, are you an early voter or not? Um, do you, or do you like to wait till election day to get out there and cast your ballot among all the, the people in line? We'll probably vote early. Yeah, I think early voting is definitely the way to go. I've been telling people, look, if you're going to vote, don't wait to that last day. So welcome, welcome everybody to America's Web Radio. It's great to have you with us this week. If you need anything, reach out to me or David. Uh, see uh, Chuck at immigration.net, David America's Web Radio. Until then, this is the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web 